You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What's happening, Blasco? Where are you in the world today, my friend? I am in Florida. I had a day off yesterday after eight shows in a row, which uh, I'm not trying to sound like, you know, a wimp or anything, but, uh, but you know, like I am almost 50. And, uh, <laughs> and, and and the two other dudes in the band are 50, right? So like we're a bunch of like 50 year old dudes like rolling into clubs doing two hour sets, you know, in these venues that have like no air conditioning and like they're completely sold out and packed and like, so it's like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not complaining, like I'm super stoked, but eight in a row of throwing down for two hours a night in hot sweaty clubs, you deserve a day off on day nine. <laughs> so a, a little bit different than the vibe of the Foo Fighters show I was fortunate enough to take in at the brand new uh, venue in Washington, D.C. last night. But yeah, what you're saying? My, <laughs> my buddy posted photos of that, and it looked pretty awesome. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's uh, run by the you know the people that do the 930 Club and IMP Presents, you know, big deal here in the city. And yeah, it was it was kind of a sight to see and, and really just, yeah, I mean, I... I hard to describe it felt very new that is for sure um but cool yeah it was fun fun to be able to get down there and and check the place out nice in the last episode we dug into some questions from our loyal listeners that's you guys that was a cool episode so check it out if you haven't already we'd love to hear from you guys so please continue to write to us at askblasco at gmail.com This week, I found an interesting article on Digital Music News written by Paul Reznikoff titled, Why a Major Label Doesn't Want to Sign You. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. So, this episode, we're talking about major labels and if or if not they are right for you the major labels breaking it down universal music group warner music group and sony music entertainment are sometimes referred to as the big three they own a bunch of other sub labels and have major publishing interest as well they are big time global entities Generally, major labels have more money and stronger relationships with platforms like Spotify. In fact, they own a major portion of Spotify and can push a priority artist into coveted playlists. There are also independent labels, often called indie labels, 
those labels have far less marketing power it can be a better fit for many artists might care to weigh in on the uh, indie label side yeah, of things. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm trying to think if I've ever had to deal or, or, you know, I don't know if it's been fortunate enough to deal, but I don't know if I've ever done a major label record deal. Um, I've had artists that have gotten, you know, kind of sucked into, you know, a major or a subsidiary of a major. Um, but I don't know if outright I have done a major record, a major label record deal. So indie is, you know, where I... I fit most of the time and thrive and have those really strong relationships. Not saying that, I mean, look, I know a lot of people that work at majors and, and they can and are, you know, they can do great work and are good people. But I think just, you know, especially with most of the genres that I've, you know, focused on to date, you know, it's found me swimming in the indie pool as opposed to the major pool. But, but you've definitely dealt with the majors, right? Yeah, totally. And I mean, look, I mean, I, I think that the, the, the thought process here for uh, wanting to dig into this particular article is I still feel like artists, you know, want that major deal. Like they still feel like that's, that's the be all end all of, of where their career needs to go. Right. So, so let, you know, let's, let's break it down. You know, is, is a major label right for you? And um, here's some reasons why it may not be, you know, according to uh, Paul Resnikoff. Reason number one, you're difficult and or don't work hard. This isn't the old music industry anymore. There's less money to invest, no more $16.99 CDs to sell, and way more pressure to show results. So artists not only have to carry their weight, they have to work well with others and work hard. Not even music managers are willing to be babysitters anymore. Some of the biggest managers in the business flat out refuse to deal with divas. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think whether we're talking major labels or indie labels, um, nobody truly wants to deal with anybody who's difficult and doesn't work hard. Um, you know, I think the resounding theme of the business is uh, it does, it takes a team of people to grow and support an artist um and you know the artist is a participant in that and you want to be working with people who uh understand the amount of work that they need to do and aren't difficult you know i, I guess difficult for the sake of being difficult some artists i think we could you know classify as i don't know if difficult's the right word but just you know they've got their vision they're very um you know they're very driven Yet they're very, I guess, stubborn, stubborn in some senses because they know how they want, you know, things to, to turn out. So I think I'm just trying to make the clarification that, you know, if you're being difficult just because you think it's cool and the thing that a rock star would do, those are the types of people that we surely don't want to deal with. Do you think divas know they're divas? Like, do you, do you think it's something to where, like, I'm going to act this way because... You know what I mean? Like, is it like yeah, is it an no, inherent is, thing this, or is it a learned thing, dude? This is a this is a, a a really really interesting and great question. And I've had a couple conversations with artists recently. You know, where frankly, you know, I've had guys in the band say, "Dude, singer freaking drives me crazy." And I think to be a really great front person and to be a singer, it, it requires a certain type of personality. And with that typically comes some collateral damage you know you're not really thinking about the other guys in the band and their comfort and their 
you know, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and everything that, that they might need. You're thinking about you and you're thinking about, you know, whatever else it is that you, that, <laughs> you know, that, that you're, so I guess to, to, to answer the question, I don't really think that it's learned. I think that they're, you know, because of the, the lifestyle of touring and, and everything that comes along with it, you know, there's certain um, things that exacerbate it. But I really do think that it's, you know, it's kind of that beauty of what makes the person a star also, you know, comes with qualities that drives everybody else crazy. <laughs> yeah, totally. I Reason- mean, what do you think on that? You you obviously play in a band with a freaking, you know, superstar, superstars, I should say, front men. I mean, what, what, what is your take on, on kind of that, the question you'd ask me? I mean, I've been in band with, bands with divas and you know and people that are really cool i'm fortunate to be in you know a band with people that are really cool at present (laughs) so that that's nice you know but i mean look by and large i feel like potentially these types of people are inherently divas but it presents itself along with success right so i feel like as much as you can, if you're that type of a person, if you're making someone money, there's a level of toleration of what someone like myself or Mike will tolerate, right? And at the early stages, if we're not making money, chances are, unless we really, really think that you are just going to fucking blow up, like if you're a diva at the early stages, chances are we're not going to want to deal with that. And, you know, there was even a case in my career where, like, there was a situation, like, a diva situation, and I just had to tag out, man. Like, it just, it just became not, and I was making money from that situation, but it just became something to where I was just like, life's too short, man. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and you know what's really interesting, and of course, we can't spend all of this episode on, on this topic. It, it could be a completely separate topic for it, but, um, you know, I've watched singers or front people interact with me in a much different way than they interact with, you know, their bandmates. And so I'll establish a really good, great working relationship, you know, with the singer. And then the bandmates will come and say, dude, I can't believe this guy, you know, we're afraid to bring this to you because we know you're tight with the singer or whatever it may be. So it is, it's just such an interesting, um, you know, kind of web of relationships that it takes to, yeah, to, to be in a band and, and to be part of a team that, you know, supports a band. No doubt. Reason number two, you're not playing the game right. I wish this world was perfect and everyone got a fair shot, but it's absolutely positively not a fair game. That said, there are ways to game the system in your favor. For starters, don't always go directly to the front door of a major label. An alternative approach is pairing up with a major manager. That manager will then try to get serious consideration from a label. Sometimes those artists are signed to smaller labels, other times not. But the point is this. There are a lot of side doors that people don't use. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, uh, I would agree wholeheartedly and I, I think is part of pairing up with a major manager. I mean, even in the indie world you and I both know it, that if we bring an artist to, you know, one of the labels that we deal with a lot, they're going to look at it differently because they know that there's a supportive, you know, team or at least, you know, manager behind the band. 
And there's a lot of work, especially on the developmental front, that goes into these projects. So they need to know that, you know, there's experience, um, you know, there's an experienced team that's going to going to help support that. Yeah, I mean, I included this one because I, I just love the idea because I say it all the time. I just love the idea of looking for looking for a cracked window to open up, you know, looking for looking for a back door. Like, you know, it's like just especially with the major labels, you know, it's like you got to you know, you got to develop in this day and age, you got to develop some momentum on your own, um, some kind of approach on your own. You can't just walk up. And, and, and even like, you know, like the emails that we get, man, like it's just like you can't just necessarily knock on our door and just be like, oh, hey, man, like I'm in this band and, and we're looking to get to the next level because we feel like we deserve it or whatever. Like, you know, I get those emails like daily or whatever, but there's but there's nothing attached to it. There's no like what the band is doing. There's no like like they're just looking for like they're just knocking on the front door, you know, and and like that that's not. That's not a good approach in major label world. Like whenever you've got something that someone wants, but you have nothing to offer in return, knock it on the front door ain't going to work. Yeah, I love the the cracked window uh, bit that you said there. And, you know, again, what I'm going to say applies to both, you know, majors and the established indies that I work with. I mean, how many times have I been on the phone with, you know, either the A&R guy or, you know, the person that's wearing multiple hats, but one of their jobs is A&R at these indie labels and I'll mention a band, maybe I'm looking at it, maybe I just picked it up for management, and that person will say, oh yeah, there's someone in our office. You know, the social media guy has been talking about this band. He's really seeing a buzz online. So you're right, part of it isn't, you know, it's not only don't knock on the the front door, but it's don't ask for, you know, you don't have to ask for the head of A&R to try to get their attention. Go make buds and start to get the music into the people that are working there because if the band is good and everybody starts playing it within the office, it will matriculate up to the people that eventually need to hear it. Damn straight. Reason number three, there's no data on you. This probably should be number one with a bullet because it's a hundred times more important than meeting the right people or playing the game right. It's data. As in, are there people listening to you online, going to your shows, following you, commenting on you, remixing your music, etc. Do your numbers show that? Yeah, I mean we're in a very very different age and and since we're, you know, recording a podcast and I own a podcast network, there's really interesting thing that happened when the new Apple iOS dropped and it's that they have a better way to now determine who and how many people are actually listening to your podcasts. So I won't spend a ton of time on this, but the way it used to work is, you know, you've probably gone on, you found a podcast you like, you hit subscribe, and then you forget all about it. But every Monday when it comes out, it downloads automatically, and that counts as a download. But if you don't listen to it, you're not really, you know, making making a dent. So the new iOS allows people to find out exactly not only who downloaded it, but who listened to it. And the reason that I'm tying this in is, that's the value of data now. It's like in the podcast world, you used to be able to say, oh, you know, we're we're getting 10,000 downloads. Now it's going to be shown that, okay, well, only 4,000 people are listening to it. And that's the real value that people are looking for. And it's the same thing with artists. 
you know, we are in this, this age where you can measure almost everything. So people are looking at that because even if the music is great to our ears, it's got to be great to the people who are supposed to consume its ears. And that's really, you know, what, what that data allows people to see. And I want to move right into number four about data. Your data is bullshit. Here's the thing. Labels can sniff that out pretty fast. Oftentimes, there are dead giveaways. And even if they do get interested based on fake data, they're going to realize there's a problem the minute they check out your show and see you in person and no one is there. Yeah, I mean, enough said. I, I think that's exactly it. People, you know, and I feel like we've talked about this on past episodes and people have been talking about this forever. You know, it's people will eventually see through anything that is manipulated and fake and bullshit. So, uh, <laughs> you know, have, have a soft place to land because, you know, you will, you will crash pretty hard if that's your game. Yeah. Look, you know, you shouldn't cheat off other people's tests in high school, right? Like shortcuts only are going to get you so far. Um, and this is the same here. It's like, there's plenty of people offering shortcuts and you shouldn't take them. You should build You should build what you have organically. And I know that that takes time and I know artists are inherently impatient people, but you, if, if you want to have a career, you really need to build your base and your value organically. Now, that being said, as much as I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea of, of cheating and flubbing your numbers, there are, and we, could, we should probably do a whole separate episode on this, but Cheating is one thing, but hacking is another. And for instance, a view on YouTube is a certain amount of seconds, right? That it would take to, that it takes to uh, number up a view count, right? But on Facebook, when you upload your video to Facebook, it is a considerably shorter amount of time. Now, I want to say that like on YouTube, whenever you watch a video for 30 seconds, you have to watch it for at least 30 seconds for it to count as a view. Whereas on Facebook, I think it's something more like three seconds. You have to watch it for it to count as a view, right? So just as a potential hack, considering uploading your videos to Facebook, driving your friends and your fans there to watch it or whatever, and then use that data to share with people like Mike and I and labels, et cetera, of, wow, look how many views we've got on Facebook or whatever, right? Now, so once again, that's not, that's, that's, that's not cheating. It's, you know, you utilizing the system for what it is and hacking that system to uh, build some momentum. So I find yeah, no problem with that. No, totally. And, you know, part of what you're getting into, you know, is the algorithms that, you know, some of the social media platforms are prioritizing, they're going to prioritize a direct upload on Facebook over a YouTube link. But I think the, you know, the, the major point is even if you've got one video or one song or one thing that's got a ton of metrics, likes, engagement, you have it, people need more than one and they need it across the board. And so if you're really good at what you're doing online, but you can't translate that into getting people to come out to your shows. Those of us that are in the business of supporting artists and, you know, essentially earning our living from supporting those artists, we need to be able to, to see the totality of all of it, not just, you know, the flash in the pan or the, or the one hit wonder. Yep. And I've said this before and I will say it again. 
it's less about the numbers now and more about the conversion, right? Because people aren't paying as much attention because there are so much flubbed and manipulated numbers out there now. It's a matter of converting. And so you can have low numbers, but a high level of conversion, right? I mean, granted, yes, what I am currently on tour with is on some, by some definition, a super group, right? Zach and I are from Ozzy Osbourne and Joey is from Queens of the Stone Age and Trash Talk and the Bronx and you know what I mean? Like, so we, we, we've got a name value and, but we are out there doing cover songs. My point is, is that our analytics are relatively low, but our conversion into what we are doing numbers wise in merchandising and tickets every night is staggering on some levels. So it's more about that. No, that's a really good point. And, and it brings up one more thing for me. It's also the demographic, right? Your fans, you just explained at the beginning of this episode, you needed a day off because you're approaching 50. Yeah. A lot of your fans I'm imagining are maybe not that age, but some of them are, but you've got a range of adults. Yes. And so a lot of adults aren't using social media in the exact same way that you know the younger demographic is. So it's, it is, it's so fascinating all of the little nuances um, that that go on when it comes to uh, you know all of this data that's out there. Yes. Reason number five why a major label might not be good for you is it's not a good match. Step back. Do you really need a major label in the first places? In many cases, a major label will actually set you back. Do you want that? Because even if you do get signed, there's not a guarantee of success. And there's also a catch-22 here. Because once you have enough traction and data to get noticed by a major, you also have the beginnings of a completely DIY career. And there are a ton of reasons to stay DIY. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think every situation is going to be at least a little bit different. Um... I like the idea of, especially if you're young and you get the opportunity to to sign to something that, you know, uh, can presumably help you, giving it a shot. Um, yeah, not everything is going to be guaranteed success, but if it doesn't succeed for whatever reason, you've got time to recover in, in, in some senses. Now that, you know, I think that's just sort of my... Yeah, I think that's sort of my general take is it's okay to take a risk. Ultimately, though, you got to trust your gut. Um, you know, in the people that you're talking to, you know, can you see that they actually want to help you and will be there for you, you know, long term? Or are they just trying to sign you if you've already got this hype and, and leverage, you know, solely because they're trying to make a buck? In terms of the music business, uh, we're living in a really cool time in that majors are nice for certain things, but in terms of the demo that you and I like hang out in for the most part, majors are very much not necessary. And it's very exciting that you, know, it, you can actually make a legit DIY career these days. And I think that that's exciting. Also too, I'll tell you a funny major label story. So. I have a client that is about to put out their last contractual album with a major label, right? And the major has expressed interest in wanting to 
re-up the deal and you know want want to do more records with this with this band right but the the cool part about this now right is that i don't need a major label right like I, at this point in the band's career like i could you know, i could go shop around i could see what else is out there or i could just you know focus on putting the the, the band out like on, on their own um and and run everything ourselves because you know by the time that another record comes out there man there might not be records right and i don't and I don't need a major label to put my band on Spotify. Now, sure, there are certain elements that, like you said earlier, that majors have relationships. But if the band is is moving, right? If the band is 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 it has has progress, then it's it majors become less of an importance, you know. And um and I think that there's a lot to be said for you know building. A DIY career and focusing on that. I think I think majors are cool for what they, they are good for, but they potentially may not be good for most. Yeah, I mean, I think your your point is a great one, and it's cool that you've got that experience and you know can can really analyze whether or not it's going to work for you guys or whether you think it's going to work for you guys long term. You know, for me, in any of these situations, again, major indie, it all depends on where the band is in their career what they need support wise from any team member, whether it's a label, a manager, an agent, what have you. And then, you know, what are our goals? Are our goals to, you know, transition into a sustainable career at, you know, the the current level, maybe hope for some growth if we do it on our own, or do we still feel like there's a lot of growth left and the major label might be able to use some of their resources to help us with that. So yeah, it's cool. I love discussing this stuff and I know you do too. And, and we could we could spend, you know, hours and hours on all of it, but inevitably, I think we've gotta go. That concludes episode forty. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have to the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Uh, thanks to you for getting up early on your day off and recording. It's always uh, kind of fun for us to weave our schedules, especially when one of us is on the go. But, you know, other than that, you guys can find me on socials, Twitter and Instagram, at Mike Oloop. Yep, that's the one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And as Blasco said at the top of the episode, we really would encourage you and like it if you could rate and review us wherever you're listening to podcasts. And last but not least, if, you know, the topics that we discuss here interest you in any capacity i have a coaching platform uh, at outerloopcoaching.com uh, head on over there and 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 sign up get the free ebook and pay attention to to the courses that we've got it's, it's really been fun stuff and, and quite rewarding for for me and the people that have participated in this blog yeah cool thanks everybody all right peace This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.